This is the Education Gadfly Show. And he didn't take a dive across the finish line in order to get a gold medal. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Alyssa Schwenk of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Usain Bolt of Ed Reform, Brandon Wright. <laughs> it's a fast man. He is a really fast, fast man. man. Can you run that fast? Uh, no. no. And apparently we're the same age, which makes me feel sort of unaccomplished. Yeah, um, I thought he was a couple, like, he's been so dominant for so long that I just thought he was right, older. Right, right, right. Also, fun fact, apparently when he runs, it looks like he's speeding up, but he's not. Everyone else slows down and he keeps the same speed. If my, if someone's going to break the sound barrier. It's definitely going to be him. Um, so we've got Usain Bolt. And now I guess this makes you the only other runner I know. Justin Gatlin, welcome David Griffith. Ouch. Is that a bad thing? What's wrong with Gatlin? He's, he cheats. Uh, he got good. a silver, I, but he, he won a medal. After cheating. He didn't people, cheat. People okay. should be able to be forgiven. Yes. And after making mistakes. And he age. didn't take a dive across the finish line in order to get a gold medal, which has been like uh, Sean A. Miller did in the race against Alice and oh, Felix, which I'll has just been, point out that when our teachers do this, we fire them. So. When they take a dive across the finish line. this analogy is getting so far away from us i don't know anything about track and field last week we got to talk swimming so i will refrain from showing my ignorance any further and pivot us into this week's education update all right you guys ready yep ready all right so one article that i read this week that i thought was really interesting was what's happening in utah um where the state board of education despite overwhelming critical feedback voted to begin a new program that grants teaching licenses to would-be educators who don't have a degree in teaching. Um, this has received a ton of pushback from the teachers unions in the state, a ton of this is going to a ton of critical feedback saying this is going to send a lot of inexperienced teachers into the classroom. I'm a product of an alt certification program. David, I think you are as well. Well, TFA? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't even bother. I just walked into the classroom. All right. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> is that true? It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. But I mean, given how this is set up, I'm not so sure it's an awful idea. Certainly, I don't agree that we should be sending in, you know, just turning over the keys to the car and saying, like, learn how to drive on the road with teachers. But this program is building in a lot of mentorship by veteran educators and particularly in subjects like STEM or subjects like CTE, where content knowledge is really key. And that's not necessarily something that everyone has. I'm not. A, it really I'm, just seems right. fine. The, 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 I'm uh, not too upset. Apparently, the this. only thing they don't have is they don't take education classes in undergrad. Mm-hmm. So, OK, I, I, I mean, and and there's a shortage like they're solving a problem. It's not like. Things were fine, and they decided to make some some big change. What's what's there isn't isn't filling the need, and so they're trying something else, and it it seems fine. Yeah, no, I agree with both you guys, um, and I I actually feel pretty strongly about this, despite having had a, a pretty horrific first year <laughs> as a teacher. Look, the issue here is that teachers, uh, in my opinion, do most of their learning on the job. Yeah, right. And so regardless of whether you go into a program or not, or you complete a program or not, your first year is going to be rough, regardless. The real issue here isn't that teachers don't get it, whether teachers get a degree or not. The issue is that in your first year of teaching, you're immediately given like full loads of classes of 36, right? Which is insane. If if nobody does that in any other profession, right? You are, you, you assume more responsibility after, Mm -hmm. you know, you're gradually eased into it. 
And and yep. and and so to me, that's that's the real issue here because it's true. Teaching is is a skill that you need to develop, but uh, you develop it in the classroom, not 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 in not in some ed school. That's that's my opinion. <clears throat> Sounds right. Yeah. I would agree. All right. Less contentious than I expected it to be. Um, (laughs) So the other thing, too, that I wanted to talk about this week is there's this crazy case in Florida. I'm working on saying that word correctly, um, where a bunch (laughs) of... tough one. Florida. Florida. I don't know. I spent a lot of time in South Jersey. I think that's where it came from. I ignore that. I'm really not sure. Florida. Working on it. It's like February. Also a tough one to say. Anyways, so a bunch of third graders in Florida who are a their parents say their teachers say get great grades are quote unquote honor students. Not really sure how that works in third grade, but they're doing very well in their schools <laughs> by all accounts, but they didn't take the state standardized tests. And so under a Florida state policy, they can be retained. So they can be made to repeat third grade. And in a couple of cases, they have been retained where the school district has said there's not enough evidence to promote you and you didn't take the state test. So these parents who opted their kids out are now suing the state. Where do you guys fall on this one? So it's it's unclear to me whether the state communicated this policy to teachers and parents. And if they didn't, then I don't think they should hold their kids back. Um, if they want to encourage people to take the state test, which personally I think is important. Mm-hmm. I think the data we get from state tests is vital. Um, but... I don't think the way to make that happen is to, without parents and teachers knowing the policy, holding a bunch of kids back who 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 are now at a fourth grade mm-hmm. achievement level. That just doesn't make any sense to make these kids repeat. Um, it'll cost the state more money. Uh, it's bad for these kids. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it, it, it's especially unfair to these kids whose parents opted opted them out. Um, there are better ways to do it. Yeah. What do you think, David? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, it, it's, on the one hand, it, it's sort of frustrating that, you know, by allowing these kids to advance, we're essentially taking away any incentive or any way of holding mm-hmm. their their parents accountable for the fact that they, they didn't take the test. And and I agree with Brandon. Like, it, it's very frustrating to me that, that parents do this. Mm-hmm. Um, tests are part of life. Uh, as a researcher, it's impossible for us to get good information um, if if too many people opt out of them. But, but yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the answer is not to hold back a kid and make that kid repeat third grade, even if he or she is ready for fourth grade. Uh, that, that, that's just not something that we should do, even if we're frustrated with the parent's decision. Um, we, mm-hmm. as reformers, it's on us to, to make the case that these tests are necessary. Um, we can't punish the kid when we can't make that case. Yeah, I do think that this is, like you guys have said, just a really classic example of like well-intentioned policy just kind of misses the road when it comes to in practice. And it's un- like it doesn't seem to have been communicated pretty well. And we do know that I think according to ECS, about 14 states have these policies where they're like, You have to learn how to read by the end of third grade. It's, you know, the old adage is before third grade, it's learning to read. After that, it's reading to learn. Robert Pondicio is not here to say, wait, 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 but no, no, no. But that's kind of where these policies came from in this. You have to learn how to read by the end of third grade to be set up for success. Yeah. I I mean, I think the the question of when kids should be held back, whether or not they're ready, Mm -hmm. is is a separate one for me from the question Mm -hmm. of of enforcing this Mm -hmm. policy. To me, this, this policy is a little like, the anti-jaywalking rules, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's good that we have them, right? <laughs> but please, please don't enforce it on me right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel. I do think sure. I do think the lawsuit is a really interesting uh, route to go and just kind of where it's come to. And, you know, we do have all of this data. Um, Chalkbeat was reporting on it, I think, last week about opt-out parents traditionally being a little more white than the average state population, a little more affluent. affluent yeah. Exactly. And to me, I just think, well, you know, if your kid didn't get into Harvard because you opted them out of the SAT, you're not going to sue Harvard. So there certainly is this disconnect between two, the stakes of a school-based assessment and the stakes of sort of an external assessment. But that's probably a whole nother debate for a whole nother day, isn't it? More topics, I think so, yeah. More topics, yeah. Okay, well, that's all the time we have for this week's education update. Up next, Amber's Research Minute. And we're back with Amber's Research Minute. Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you, Alyssa. Have you been watching track and field this week? Every night I've been watching the Olympics, staying up till midnight, getting oh, that's far <laughs> fewer hours of sleep than I was mm-hmm. prior to the Olympics, mm-hmm. but I am totally into it. I we got to say <laughs> less into the track and field than the swimming, though Usain's Bolt, Usain yes. Bolt's run we were talking was about. crazy, but I mean, I can't figure, he's not an American, though. I can't figure um, out whether he's cocky or just fun, you know? Like, I, I want to like him, but it's <laughs> I, think right. both. I think you're both at that level. Yeah. Like, you're literally the fastest man on the planet. Right. Like, you got to be a little cocky. Can, but he's but, doing like the Catholic cross as he's starting, so I just can't figure the guy out, but I, I think I like him. I, I think I do. I will say that photo of him, like, just like running and like, like looking back at everyone else and like there's there's that huge smile and like part of it is cocky but part of it is just like he's so excited to be running I love that I'm watching him race and he's looking to his right and his left and I'm Mm -hmm. like dude you are way ahead of everybody don't worry about it (laughs) race your own race and he's still caring about like how far ahead he is I guess I don't know so fastest man on anyway it's been great fun so I'm gonna miss it a lot me too four more years All right. What do you got for us today, Amber? Well, we spent a lot of time talking about how to prepare kids in large urban school districts for life after high school. So I ran across this report from the Baltimore Education Research Consortium, or BERC, as they're known as, which examines college enrollment and college graduation among Baltimore City graduates for the years of 2007 through 2014. They use district administrative data. They use NCES data. They use a bunch of data from the National Student Clearinghouse so they can track these students after graduation. So bottom line is it's a very depressing reality check of the hurdles that we have left to overcome in many urban school districts. Um, It's just a descriptive study. I'll just put that out there. We have no fancy statistics here. Um, But honestly, I think sometimes the most simple data reports, uh, descriptive data reports can be really powerful. And so here are seven of the key findings Um, Again, um, none of which will bring any joy to your heart. Number one, the high school graduation rate in Baltimore City public schools increased 8.2 percentage points from 2010 to 2014. Yet the analysts report that credit recovery may have something to do with it. Um, And we've been pretty skeptical of credit recovery around here and graduation rates in general. So I don't think that that boost inspires any confidence that those, um, you know, gains are actually real um, because uh, college enrollment rates decreased by 7.2 percentage points from 49.8% to 42%. So you had this rise in graduation and this fall in college enrollment rates. Any college enrollment? Any college enrollment. Yep. They looked at both two and four year, but here we're talking about both. 
Number two, nationally, 68% of all high school graduates enroll in college the following fall. Okay, that's the national one. In Baltimore City, on average, 47% of recent graduates do that. And then prior to 2010, they showed this little graph that basically showed that most of the city graduates enrolled in four-year colleges. But now the latest trend has been more and more are enrolling in two-year colleges. And we don't know why, but that's just what the data say. Number three, about 65% of graduates from 2011 to 2014 had weighted GPAs of less than 2.5 and SAT scores of less than 1,000. In the class of 2014, so the most recent class they had, just 11% had a weighted final GPA of 3.0 or higher. Just 11%. That's just... Number four, and this is probably the most alarming one of all, and I'm going to have you guys just guess. Um, Approximately what percent of graduates who first enrolled in a two-year college completed a four-year degree? So these are the kids that presumably would go on because that's what we hear. Like they go on, Mm -hmm. they do the two-year and then they go on. Um, how many completed the four-year degree within six years of you know, high school graduation? Right. I'll go first. Uh, 8%. I was going to say 20. Whoa. Two. Oh, two. God. 2%? 2 to 6%. Two percent? It ranged from oh my two. God. What a horrible guess on my part. 2 to 6%. That is so depressing. Is that the most depressing thing? Um, anyway, and then 10% completed either a two- or four-year degree or both, okay? So really, 43% of those who started at a four-year college completed degrees within six years. So again, we know the four-year is obviously a little bit better, right? It's 43% mm-hmm. of the four-year kids are completing degrees within six years. But the kids who are going in the two-year colleges, so few are finishing uh, and going on to four years. The so 2% um, of those kids did. And if a kid started at a four-year, four year, there's a 43%, 43%, right? That's right. So obviously you think the four-year kids are a little better prepared. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit different demographic there. Still, 57% aren't. It's really bad. Uh, Number five, the most popular colleges are two local community colleges. Okay, we know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they're able to do is kind of track, you know, like look and see how many kids are graduating. So less than 10% who enrolled in those two community colleges earned an associate's degree from there or from any other place. So I don't know. What are they they doing, right? Wow. Over 95% of the class of 2011 who enrolled in either of those colleges um, were required to take developmental math. So already Mm -hmm. they're getting them and they're unprepared. Um, So it's not surprising that the graduation rates from these two-year places Mm -hmm. are so incredibly low. And then they start kind of looking at all the context. I'm almost finished. Uh, The context in Baltimore uh, City Schools itself. And they found a third of recent graduates were chronically absent which means they missed about a month of school. So you've got almost a third of kids missing a month of school. And then for the most recent class, the average SAT verbal score was 395. The average math score was 386. And what 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 is the high school graduation rate? So the high school graduation rate was, uh, what did I say it was at the beginning? Uh, 47%. Oh, uh, no, no, sorry. That's the ones who graduate. That's the ones who enroll in... Um, in college it looks like oh geez did i not get that one i thought i had that at the very beginning oh i just have it increased 8.2 percentage points but i didn't put the percentage percent in um but wow it's just i don't know you know i think we hear about how bad it is in some of these large city districts Mm -hmm. um and we know what they're having to confront 
And obviously the report makes reference to all the unrest that's mm -hmm. occurred in Baltimore sure. that we've all seen on the news. Sure. And surely that had some impact here. But I mean, they were looking at this, you know, back from 2007 mm -hmm. um, and it's just gotten worse really yeah. in that city. So, so unprepared for college. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you kind of, and, and the recommendations were kind of lukewarm, you know, they were like, well, we should figure out what kids' aspirations are. What do they want from their lives? And I'm like, I don't know if we want to figure out what they want. We need to inspire them to want more, mm -hmm. right? Not figure out what they want now. It's like, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you give them a life raft? How do right. you, how do you inspire them to want more for them, for themselves mm -hmm. and what they've seen in their own families? Yeah. Well, this mm -hmm. is uh, Sonia Santelisi's first year at right. the head of Baltimore City Public Schools. I think she starts or the school year starts yeah, soon. Right. So um, big, yeah, she's big work ahead of her, big challenge, but I hope she's a, certainly hope that if anyone can do it, I have a lot of faith in her yeah. to be able to and pull it through. and she knows the challenges. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, she, and she knows the data having been at Ed Trust. You mm -hmm. know, she knows exactly what she's dealing with. So um, I'm with you. You know, yeah. I think that, um, I don't know how they're going to embrace her. I mean, she's been in the system right. for a while. So you would think that would maybe give her some, you know, good credibility with, with the community. Yeah. Well, uh, the only thing I can really end with is let's wait and see and certainly let's hope. But yes, that's a stark right. study. And thanks for finding that one for yeah. us. Sorry to leave with such a bad study. But um, anyway, I mean, not a bad study, but a depressing study. Depressing study. study. Yes. All right. Well, that's all of the time we have uh, for today's Research Minute. Thank you, Amber. Yes, you're welcome. All right. And that's also all the time that we have for the Gadfly. So until next time. I'm Brandon Wright. And I'm Alyssa Schwenk for the Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.